For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Good evening, good day, whenever it is that you are listening to this, we are uh, we are happy to have you here at the Believe in Titans podcast. I am David Beauclair of AllTitansAtSI.com, along with John Glennon, my partner at, S- at AllTitansAtSI.com, and former Titans Broncos cornerback Denard Walker. Gentlemen, everybody staying cool in this summer heat? Trying, trying, man. <laughs> I'm just staying inside. I don't need to work on my tennis. <laughs> well, the, uh, the the players are are staying inside, I guess, and and working out and meeting and doing those sorts of things. But we are we are into the first full week of the dead period between uh, the off season program and the start of training camp. On the on the way out, though, I guess if you will, Jeffrey Simmons gave us a little bit to talk about when uh, when he met with the media on the on the last day of, of the team's mandatory mini camp, it was, uh, or at least the last day that the media was out there. It was, uh, I, I guess you give him credit for, for standing up and, and answering questions that he knew were coming and, and that were not always comfortable questions, but, but I can't say that, that he shed a lot of light on, on his situation and, and what exactly he's looking for, what exactly he hoped to gain by, uh, by not participating in the on-field stuff at all during the minicamp. He, he, of course, wasn't around during the, uh, the voluntary portion of the off-season program either. So I'll, I'll ask you, Denard Walker, first, um, assuming this was a hold-in of some sorts, do you think this was an effective way to, to send a message to, to management? And, uh, or is this, a, is this an issue? that that's going to only grow as we get to training camp here well uh david there was a young man that was let's see he was in the same position about four or five years ago by the name of aaron donald who plays for the rams and the last time i checked he did the same thing he held out uh training camp that year and he ended up getting a nice little uh i don't know contract extension 
And so, yes, that's what players, if they feel like they have to do and hold out, yes, then go ahead and do it. Uh, look, at I was reading where he said he alluded to the fact that his goal is to be in camp. But he knows when you look at this team, they just locked up Harold Landry. Of course, A.J. is gone. They paid Danico Autry and Bud Dupree last season. So he's basically saying, listen, I want to get paid and I want to get paid now. And if this is the way he feels like he uh, is going to go about and doing it, I would expect you to not uh, anticipate him uh, being in training camp this summer. Unless, of course, he gets that extension right at right at the start of camp. And and John Glennon, he has two years on his contract still. He's got the fourth year from his rookie deal. He's got the fifth-year option, which the team has picked up. Um, this team typically, I guess, hasn't done, at least under John Robinson, hasn't done deals with two or doesn't hasn't done extensions with guys who have two years left on their deal. Should Jeffrey Simmons be expecting a, an extension at this point? Or is this unreasonable? I think he should be expecting it, and I don't think it's unreasonable. It is unusual, uh, you know, both for the Titans and and really in the in the league. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think any of the 2019 guys have been extended so far. Any of the 2019 draft picks in the league, I, I don't believe, have been extended. And as you said, it's not the Titans' uh, usual uh, mode of operation to uh, to give an extension with two years left, but. Uh, with every rule uh, comes an exception. Um, and I think Jeffrey Simmons has to be that exception for the Titans. You know, when you saw what a, a dominant figure he was on defense last year, uh, how he is sort of the central sort of linchpin to this entire defense and how ridiculously he has outplayed the terms of his entry level contract. It's not as if the Titans were underpaying him. You know, this is just a, uh, uh, you know, a typical entry contract, but now, you know, I, I think you have to recognize what he has done, uh, recognize that you need to keep your main man on defense uh, happy, well paid, um, and you have to find a way to, to make it work, even though there's still two years left, um, because I don't think you want to set that example of, of, you know, not paying a guy who has played this exceptionally well so far and, and creating any kind of friction uh, there. So yeah, I, I think the Titans should do it. I think it should happen before training camp. And I think the Titans can use as leverage the fact that, hey, we could always put this off, you know, Jeffrey, but, but you know, maybe we'll work on that. And maybe we'll lower the price just a little bit because of that. But I do think they need to pay him. Yeah. It, it, and I, I think in fairness to Jeffrey Simmons, you know, his decision to not take part in any actual on-field activities with the team during during the offseason now you know people people are going to pick that apart but you know we'll start with his contract you, you talked about how he's outplayed the terms of his contract is four years fully guaranteed at 12.663 million dollars if he plays the fifth year option say they say there is no extension whatever he plays through that's another what 10.4 million dollars like jeffrey simmons is doing fine right like no one no one's gonna say he he's he's hurting for bread money at any point but jeffrey simmons also knows full well as well as anybody in the NFL, what one injury can do to you. 
And keep in mind, this was a guy that back in 2019, most people considered him a top five talent. There was some teams obviously had the character question because of the incident that he had off the field prior to starting at Mississippi State. But the bigger issue was the fact that he he tore his knee up in pre-draft training in February. And uh, if you look, the, the fifth pick in the draft that year was Devin White with Tampa Bay, who got four years at $29.3 million. So, you know, if, if Simmons was fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, I think it's fair to say that knee injury probably cost him 15 to $20 million probably at, at in, in terms of the fir- over the first four years of his career. So the idea that he, he wants a contract, thinks he needs a contract right now, it, it makes sense to me from that perspective that he would say, I'm not going to go out on the field. I'm not going to risk another injury at a, at a key time in my career that can cost me some money. I'm not stepping back onto that football field un, until I get the deal he's, uh, that I'm looking for. And, you know, he, he, he did say the right things in terms of I, I want to be here for training camp. I expect to be here for training camp. But that's easy to say. There, there, you know, he, he also made it clear that he is getting counsel from several people, an uncle of his, uh, Jason Hatcher, who played 10 years in the NFL, uh, and some you know, innocuous other members, whether they're family members, uh, he indicated he's going to hire an agent, whatever. He, he's, he's getting all this input from outside that you figure is going to lead him to say, well, if I don't have my contract, I won't be there for the start of training camp. So it's, uh, uh, you know, you know, Donato, I want to ask you about that. Is is that is it dangerous to to have a bunch of people in your ear? Do you think is it is it good to have a family member like a Jason Hatcher? Or it, you know, should you keep your 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 advisors? I guess if you will, kind of small. How how do you look at that? Well, it depends, David. It depends on the individual. Um, the question I would ask, did you have those people, people there before? Uh, if they're new to your inner circle, then I would say get them out because sometimes if you have too many opinions, that's not good for you as a player. Or when you're talking about different agents or business people, you don't need all of that. Listen, your production is what gets you paid in this business. And when you look at Jeffrey, what he's done on the field, I was reading where last year he has 62 quarterback pressures in 2021. Man, you're talking about as a former cornerback, when you get that kind of production from a player, that becomes your best friend. And if you're a defensive coordinator, you said, listen, I I need that (laughs) because everything starts in the trenches. So he he has leverage when it comes to production. But what I don't like, unfortunately, as a former player, we, we used to always say this, and it's an unwritten rule, but we have to follow it as former players. We don't talk about guys' contract situation. But in this case, when you have leverage, David, you only have leverage so much time in this league. The National Football League is a three-letter act. NFL stands for not for long. And you are one play away. Look at what's going on in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. Just a year ago, I was saying, uh-oh, here comes Baker. This is a guy that you would, you would think 
that Cleveland would be spending $200 million for him. Unfortunately, the way he played this past year is kind of like, uh-oh, now we don't know what's his situation. Now Deshaun Watson in. So it's always changing. So when you're a player, you think about that. What happens if I stay, what happens if I step on the field next year and I end up blowing out my knee again? Are we having talks about contract extension? So you think about those things because you only one play away. So if you, Jeffrey, I understand when you have leverage, David, but in this case, keep your circle small. Keep the people around you that you had before. Keep them close because what you don't want is a lot of people in your ear. And again, sometimes people are telling you what you want to hear, especially knowing that you have a chance to get paid in this league. And that doesn't come around often. And John, I'll ask you, you know, we were both at that press conference with Jeffrey Simmons. Um, Based on what he said, did you come away with a clear message in terms of what these folks are telling him? I I don't think that uh, clear was the word that I would describe it. No, as we've all said, uh, good on Jeffrey Simmons uh, uh, because he clearly went up there of of his own volition. You know, I'm sure the Titans uh, weren't necessarily going to have him scheduled to talk, but uh, he went up there and, and he answered a number of questions, but it, some of it, you know, sort of muddied the waters, I, th- I thought, a little bit, uh, you know, especially kind of the part where he said, you know, I, I've, I've got a team, uh, you know, to deal with that kind of thing. And, and uh, so it, it almost sounded as if he, he was saying, if they think I need a new contract, they'll get back to me almost. And and you kind of paused a little bit and and, you know, it was more like, Jeffrey, you're, you're the guy here. You're the guy that's in charge. You tell them to go get you a new contract. You don't wait for, for them. Um, and, and I know what he was doing. I, I, you know, he clearly wanted to keep the focus on football and, and, and good for him for, for not, you know, getting into the, into the muck right away. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I think everybody, we're still a little bit uh, speculating at, at this point in time as to exactly the status, but, you know, I, maybe one, you know, theory I guess I, I have is, is that maybe, you know, the Titans at least have an idea that Jeffrey Simmons, you know, is looking for a new contract. Uh, and, and perhaps they say to Jeffrey, they say, okay, we're willing to work with you. We're willing to talk to you, but we don't have everything in place right now. So, you know, at least don't, don't go AJ Brown on us. Uh, you know, don't, don't start skipping out on everything. Don't lose contact with us. Don't start scrubbing your social media, you know, instead at least show up at mini camp, at, at least be in the meeting rooms, at least do conditioning work, you know, kind of show face and show faith in us. And if you do that, you know, let's, let's get down to business after that. Maybe we can hammer something out uh, before training camp. That's, that's one guess on my part as, as to what we saw. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's no question though, what a Jeffrey Simmons has meant and can mean to this defense, particularly, uh, you know, assuming that he hasn't played his best football yet. You, you know, you you can just go back with this franchise to 2008, the year Albert Hainsworth finished second in defensive player of the year voting. And Denard talks about, you know, that that's a secondary guy's best friend. Three quarters of the Titans starting secondary were pro bowlers that year because Albert Hainsworth was just destroying offenses up front and, and quarterbacks just had to get the ball out of their hand. It was, uh, it, it was a remarkable performance that year in uh in a number of different fronts for him and uh but but I, I gotta say too when you know he's talked about his uncle Jason Hatcher before 
throughout his career. And, but, it, but it's always been as somebody that he could sort of go to and say, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this. Tell me in your experience, what you thought, this is the first time I got the sense that, 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 that Jason Hatcher is really taking a, a sort of a, a different sort of role and, and a guiding force in his career. And, and, and it put me of the mind. I, I wrote this last week. In fact, that uh, if anybody has seen the, the 30 for 30 on Marcus Dupree, the, the great running back mm. who had a very short career out of Oklahoma, they were talking about his recruitment and, 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 a and a, a big factor in that recruitment was, uh, was, Marcus Dupree's uncle Curly, who really wanted him to go to Southern Miss. And they asked Texas coach Fred Akers, former Texas coach Fred Akers, and this said, you know, did, did you ever meet Uncle Curly? And and he just kind of wistfully smiled and said, There's always an uncle, isn't there? And uh, you know, it's it it it's when these, you know, you, you do worry when these family members start getting involved in players' business. It 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 feels like that's uh that that can really affect things in a, in a negative way. And, and you'd prefer somebody who, who doesn't have that sort of emotional investment in the player can sort of see the big picture of, of what's going around the league and whatnot. And I'm speaking, you know, sort of as a, in terms of having a traditional agent, just handle that sort of thing for you. But, uh, but, but, uh, you know, that's, it, it remains to be seen. Yeah. I was, I was going to toss in one more thing too, um, you know, if, if you think about kind of the, the court of public opinion on, on this too, and if, if, you know, and, and we're, we're thinking down the road here, and if this does come closer to training camp, uh, and, and if it does appear that, that Jeffrey Simmons, you know, may not uh, report or may not participate right away, you've got to think the public opinion Titans fans are, are, are going to be sitting squarely, uh, on the, uh, on the side of Jeffrey Simmons here. I, I can't imagine that most of the Titans fans are saying, you know, good for the Titans to, to keep him at only making, you know, $4 million a year. They've, they've done the right thing. They're going to be saying, we need Jeffrey Simmons on the football field. He's the key to this entire defense. And fresh in a lot of people's mind is the fact that, you know, that things didn't get worked out with A.J. Brown and that they had to move A.J. Brown. And the last thing Titans fans are going to want to see is any kind of friction between the Titans and a star player again. So I think that will work towards Jeffrey Simmons if it comes to it. I think that will work in Jeffrey Simmons' favor as well. Well, it it will uh, it will bear watching. I assume it'll be it'll be quiet now for the next couple of weeks. But July twenty sixth is uh, is kind of the starting date for most teams at, at training camp. When when these deals have gotten done, when you're thinking Kevin Byard in recent years, Taylor Lewan, this is when John Robinson has done them, kind of make a splash right at the right at the start of training camp. So everybody can circle July twenty sixth on their on their calendar as as sort of a key date in the uh in the jeffrey simmons saga right now um another guy we've talked about quite a bit this uh this offseason kind of in terms of looking back on his struggles last year uh in the moment there following the draft some of the things he said ryan Tannehill, um no doubt on the offensive side of the ball he is he is a critical piece as Jeffrey Simmons is critical to the defense. So let, let's look ahead a little bit. Let's uh, let, you know, we we've talked about the turnover at wide receiver. He's got new, new weapons at tight ends. Uh, you know, how much, how much are we going to see Derrick Henry and, and, and how is that going to affect things? So Denard Walker, I guess I'll ask you this for, for Ryan Tannehill, what does a, 
what does a successful 2022 look like for him given uh given how much in his situation has changed from his first couple of years with the titans well, a lot of that's going to hinder on the performance of Derrick Henry. <laughs> we forgot last year that the King went out right after that Colts game in week eight. And what people, what I like to say about Ryan is it's and not because he's a Texan or he went to Texas and I don't even like him, but he's been one of the most consistent quarterbacks the last three years in the National Football League. Now you go back uh, his time in Miami, uh, the word that comes to mind was abysmal. And when you look at his play in Miami, you saw uh, a player that, again, came out of Texas and was a converted. He was a wide receiver. Let's not forget he played receiver, and then they switched him. He converted him over to quarterback. But it, it was like it was so many turnovers. That's really what I think derailed his career in Miami was the turnovers. He had, what, 75 interceptions in seven and a half years uh, in Miami and, what, 120, 123 touchdowns. But when I look at his play on the field, when I go back in 2021, I know we look at the games, you know, you go back to the Pittsburgh game when all of the turnovers are dominating Pittsburgh. You go back to the game against Houston. What, Houston came in to Nashville. They won, what, one game, if if I'm correct. Was it one? They came in that game just when they had one game. And David Cooley said it, Coach Cooley said it best, that if his team can eliminate the turnovers, then they probably would have won at least two or three games by that point. But you would have thought Tennessee was Houston, and Houston was Tennessee the way that that game uh, kind of transpired. And the reason was he didn't have any of his pieces. You didn't have no Derrick Henry. You look at the running back position that game. Who did you have? Dontrell Hilliard, Adrian Peterson, Deontay Foreman. There was no continuity. Your high guy that game was what, Marcus Johnson is that was the receiver last year. Marcus Johnson right. got the big uh-huh. game against the Saints, but he ended up t- uh, hurting his hamstring. So you saw Ryan forcing, trying to make plays. And I was telling Davey uh, when we was breaking that game down, I said, listen, I know you're being critical on the quarterback because people think that's where it starts. But when you don't have no pieces to the puzzle and those pieces are mis- missing, what you do is you start overcompensating. You start trying to do too much. And we saw that with Ryan last year. You go back to the New England game. Who did he have at receiver starting that game? You had Nick Westbrook, Akine, Cody Hollister, and your fourth rounder, Des Fitzpatrick. You think about it. Go back to the Saints game. Your high, your high receiver was Marcus Johnson. There was no A.J. There was no Julio Jones. So what you end up seeing in 2021 was a lot of missing pieces. And unfortunately, that ends up hurting the play of the quarterback. Now, Ron is no Tom Brady, but I'm sure if you put Tom Brady in that situation, the same thing would have happened. But let me just say this, and, and let me get this off my mind. If you have a healthy Derrick Henry, you have the same king that you had in 2019 and 2020. That's what's going to end up helping this passing game. It's going to help cut over, cut, excuse me, cut in half those uh, interceptions. Because I don't, I'm not anticipating if Derrick is if Derek is healthy, you won't see those 14 interceptions in 2022. John Glennon, same question for you. What uh, what does a, a successful 2022 look like for Ryan Tannehill? Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you can look at lots of statistics, but to me the most significant one uh, for, for Ryan Tannehill is, is not necessarily the yardage. It's not necessarily the touchdowns. It is the interceptions. It is the turnovers uh, because, you know, you even look back at, at um, you know, sort of his, his first year and, and 
you know, it wasn't the, as if Ryan Tannehill put up in, incredible offensive numbers, but what he did in his first two seasons was really keep those turnovers down, those interceptions, I believe, if I'm recalling correctly, a combined 13 in the first two seasons that he that he played, and then 14 uh, last year, you know, top the uh, the combination. So that's got to come down. I, and, and I do think Ryan Tannehill has a challenge this year because you know, A.J. Brown, obviously, his, his his top target is gone, and he has a number of, of new targets in, at both the, the wide receiver spot and at the tight end spot. So I think, you know, I, I, I can't say I expect huge change from Ryan Tannehill. If, if he can boost touchdown production, maybe, ah, you know, even even as little as three to five touchdown passes more than he did last year. More importantly, if he can cut that interception total down, say a handful, say five fewer interceptions this year, I think that's a huge step in the direction, in the right direction. One other stat I'd like to see go up for him last year, yards per attempt, 7.0, very, very low, uh, you know, kind of, I think in the, in maybe the bottom uh, third of the league there. Uh, and that was very different from what we saw in the 2019 Ryan Tannehill. So if they can find a way to get open downfield, if Ryan Tannehill can find a way to get more downfield completions, love that that go up there. And then finally, I will say about Ryan Tannehill, whatever he does during the regular season, it may not matter uh, because even if he has a great regular season and the Titans win another AFC South and, and get another high seat in the playoffs, if he goes out and, and has a dud in the postseason, as he has the last two times, no one is going to care what he did in the regular season. They're going to say Ryan Tannehill can't get it done in the playoffs. So, um, you know, th- that to me is, is uh, going to be the bottom line for, for Mr. Tannehill. Yeah, to me, like with, with no A.J. Brown, with no Corey Davis and Jonu Smith, as was the case last year, with no Julio Jones, you know, we, we've talked about how different the wide receiver group is. I don't think there's any way – his his overall passing numbers probably look as good as they've they've looked. You know, this is not a guy who's going to throw for four thousand yards. He's not going to throw for forty touchdowns next season. There's just no way. To me, the key will be the fourth quarter. He, you know, we've seen him at times. The, the 2020 season in particular comes to mind, play really, really well in the fourth quarter, right? That was the year he led five game-winning drives in the fourth quarter, uh, six, you know, six game-winning drives over our four, you know, fourth, five fourth quarter comeback, six game-winning drives that year. Um, but, but he has trended downward in a couple of, a couple of numbers in the fourth quarter over the course of his Titans time, his, his passer rating in the fourth quarter has gone from 123.3 to 102.9 to 87.6 last year. You know, he, he completed 72.7% of his fourth quarter passes in 2019. He's, he's been down in the sixties the last couple of years. And, and most notably last year, five touchdown passes and five interceptions and similar to his overall statistics he threw four fourth quarter interceptions in 2019 and 2020 combined versus 19 touchdown passes i think i think given all the changes to the offense it's unlikely that this team is going to be blowing out a lot of people they they're they're going to be playing some games that are decided in the fourth quarter so if if we can see the the 2020 
Ryan Tannehill in the fourth quarter, a guy who has had three quarters to figure out, you know, what a defense is doing to him, what the what the opposing personnel is, where he can where he can make some things happen and then go out and make those things happen and win games in the fourth quarter that uh, that will take care of of everything else, whatever the whatever his numbers look like statistically. I don't think matters. It, it'll it'll be more that that fourth quarter. Take care of the ball there. Win games, and and everybody will forgive everything else. It's uh it it's not always the prettiest formula, I guess, but it's uh but it is a it is it is a it is a way to win games. Um, we've let let's let's do this though. We've we've talked so much now. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, the 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 late great AJ Brown, so to speak, uh, you know, big names on this team. There, there's 90 guys on this roster right now. There'll be 53 guys on uh, on the regular season plus game day elevations and whatnot. Who who are guys that are, that are flying under the radar that that as you look ahead to this season can can play big roles or, or maybe, maybe people should be paying a little more attention to and, and might surprise somebody, John, I'll, I'll start with you. Who, uh, if I pose that question to you, who, who comes to mind? Uh, the, the first one that, that I've been kind of paying a lot of attention to and, and has been getting some attention um, because more of, because where he's from uh, is Josh Malone, um, you know, and, and uh, this to me is, is a really good story to follow, uh, you know, and, and it's a little bit of a homer pick. I, I will uh, admit that, you know, Josh Malone uh, went to high school uh, up in, uh, in the Gallatin Hendersonville area uh, up there, obviously went to, uh, to UT. And this is a guy who, who most people thought, you know, would be in the midst of a, you know, a fairly successful NFL career at this point. He was a fourth round draft pick by Cincinnati in 2017, you know, but, but it has not happened, uh, you know, to, uh, to this point uh, he's played in, I think 15 games over the past uh, three years, uh, I believe is what it is. Uh, and he's only got 11 catches in his entire NFL career. So certainly, um, you know, this is a guy who the Titans, uh, you know, they didn't need to reach out to Josh Malone. And I, I feel like they, uh, they saw some potential there. They gave this guy a chance. And, and again, you're looking at a guy who's 205-pound guy who certainly at one point uh, could, could catch the ball very well. And you look at where the Titans stand at, at wide receiver, I feel that, you know, they've got four locks probably and, and Robert Woods, you know, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, and, and Nick Westbrook-Akina. After that, you know, there's a little bit of a crapshoot for some of the roster spots below that. And so you're looking at, at uh, Josh Malone competing with the likes of Des Fitzpatrick, Racy McMath, Cody Hollister, uh, Mason Kinsey, some of those other guys. And I think the way that Josh Malone uh, has started this offseason gives him a legitimate shot, uh, you know, at, at one of those lower-tier roster spots at, at wide receiver. And to me, I think he's a... Uh, He's a good, uh, you know, kind of bounce back story. He's a he's a hometown story. Uh, so I'm going to be interested in following how Josh Malone uh, does come training camp. Denard Walker, who who haven't we talked enough about, or haven't we talked about it or at all this off season? Who catches your attention on this roster? Well, you know what, uh, they drafted this player is, is Hassan Hask, uh, Haskins out of Michigan. 
220 pounds. I'm, I'm just a big fan of him. I've been watching Hassan. I watched him last year against Ohio State. You talk about one of the most underrated backs uh, in college football. And you talk about what Tennessee likes to do when they run the football with Derek. When they, you can ask uh, the Texans about that when they do the double team down and they run up a lot of up the guts. And, and that's his forte. And not to mention you have a back uh, in the King. I don't even call him Derek anymore. I don't even know his first name. But when you're talking about you have your best player coming off an injury, what you don't want to do is to run him into a hole early. And you have to understand this, David and John. And I know Derek is a freak of nature, but again, you're, he's getting up in age. He's 28 years old, so you have to take that in consideration. I know now in this day and age, they don't do the two-back system like they used to do back who Cleveland used to have. Was it Kevin Mack and uh, what was it Ernest? Ernest Miners. Yeah, you yeah. remember they both a thousand yards rushers. And I know when I was at Denver, you know, Coach Mike Shanahan, he had Terrell Davis, Orlandis Gary. You had Mike. Uh, Anderson, Anderson yeah. yeah, Mike Anderson, no one, and then they went out and drafted Clinton Porters and all four of the and Ruben Drones. So they had five. <laughs> I thought, you know, and I thought about Mike Shanahan. I thought, you know, he just passes the ball. No, he, he likes to establish the run. What helps a quarterback when he's struggling? A strong running game, and this is what I love to see. I, I would love to see how Todd Downing is going to utilize some of the offense. We're talking about Derek with his uh, carries. You know, when I you, you alluded to the fact last week about Eddie George, he had in two thousand four hundred carries, but after that season, after two thousand, it was like everything went downhill. You know what would help Derek as far as longevity? is to get a good quality back in their young, just like him, tough, resilient. There's no more Darrington Evans. Unfortunately, his durability is kind of what cost him a spot. But again, you got an underrated uh, running back that I thought was second or third round um, uh, draft round status. I mean, he was a quality running back. So again, I just want to see how Hassan Haskins is going to fit in this offense in 2022. I'm going to throw out there, a uh, member of last year's draft class, uh, inside linebacker Monty Rice, a guy who, who coming off a season-ending injury, but uh, you know everybody sort of got beat up on that inside linebacker group at, at points last year. And, and Monty Rice started four games, finished three of those four games, and, and in those three games had at least seven tackles in each of them, averaged eight tackles over those three games in the uh, – in the game that he was injured, the last game he ultimately played last season, he only played 19 snaps on defense in that contest before he got hurt, but made five tackles in that game. And, and before that, he was a guy Mike Vrabel had talked about, really impressed him, like in, in the kicking game as a guy, you know, winning his one-on-one battles, going down, making a, uh, making a tackle that, you know, that, that sort of showed him this is a guy – who has a who has a really high compete level and whatnot you think about it you know David Long starting in his second year which would have been 2020 put a whole lot of backside pressure on Jayon Brown for playing time and 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 role in in that defense and whatnot and by by early last season David Long was the guy and Jayon Brown was a uh, was a role player when everybody was healthy now Jayon Brown is in Las Vegas with the Raiders David Long is the guy but but he shouldn't be too he shouldn't be too comfortable there because I think Monty Rice is a guy who can really put the the, the same kind of pressure on him and uh, and if David Long gets hurt and he has had some injury issues 
not not serious ones, but he's a guy who's missed a few games here and there over the last couple of years. That that could be one of those things where Monty Rice could step in there and, and David Long could have a hard time getting his job back, at least based on the little bit we saw of him last year. So I think, uh, you know, that, that uh, last year's draft class didn't produce a lot. Immediately there's, you know, Caleb Farley's going to get his chance this year. Dylan Radins is, is presumably going to get his chance, but, but Monty Rice is a guy I think is not to be overlooked as well. So uh, it's, uh, but it's that time. The clock is clock on the wall says we are we are about done. It it goes quickly, but I think uh I think this was a this was a lively discussion. We've we've got more to cover as we go through the off season. So we hope you'll keep coming back week after week is uh and then training camp will be here before you know it. But uh we let, let's do let's do a quick lightning round I guess here on the way out. Real quickly, one sentence Denard Walker, what is what do you think is most encouraging about the team right now, and and what are you most concerned about as as we look ahead to training camp? Most most encouraging is Derrick Henry is back. Like you guys said, he's looking Jack. Most discouraging, your first round pick, Traylon Burks again. OTAs, <laughs> let's get ready for training camp, buddy. John Glennon, most encouraging, most concerning aspect of this team. The most encouraging to me is is overall health. Uh, Traylon Burks is the exception, of course, but but guys a, a year further removed from ACLs, uh, guys further removed from significant injuries like Caleb Farley, Rashad Weaver, even uh, you know Monty Rice made some appearances. So I like the overall health of this team. What concerns me is you still have two open spots on the offensive line, and I don't think you can definitively point to anybody right now and say. That guy is going to be my left guard. That guy is going to be my right tackle. And, and it's a little bit of a concern that you're in that situation looking ahead to training camp. Yeah, I, I will say Austin Hooper, I think, is encouraging. I, I, this, this team traditionally is at its best when it has a productive tight end, and he looks like he could be that productive tight end, particularly a red zone target that this team needs. And in conjunction with that, the most concerning thing with this team to me is, is that wide receiver group. I, I mean, you don't know who is going to be number one, even at this point, it, it presumably it's, it's Robert Woods, if he's healthy enough, but if he's not, and, and even you go down the list, it, there's just no clear cut pecking order there and, and no established trust with the quarterback. But uh, these are, these are issues we can explore more deeply as, as we go. But uh, for now we are going to sign off. Thanks again, everybody for listening. This is the believe in Titans podcast, Denard Walker. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, David and John. I'll see you guys next week. John Glennon, we will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody. This is uh, this is David Beauclair. Thanks again for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.